It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. You're tuned in to another edition of Make the Dough Rise. Walter Sorholt alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Living Worth Wealth Advisors, serving you in the Lake Country and beyond with an office in Greensboro, Georgia. Online, as always, at livingworth.com. And joining us once again is Brett Danko of Main Street Financial Solutions. The gang is back together for a third time in a row, and we've got a great conversation on tap for today. Brian, we're talking about the F word today, quite the alarmist headline that we have for today's program. And you're a Southern gentleman. <laughs> you are a Southern de- gentleman, Brian Doe. Go ahead. Go and ahead. You, you do not need to cover your ears for this F word. <laughs> Today we are talking about fiduciary. And it gets kicked around a lot. And I see people advertising and promoting that they are a fiduciary. I see people trying to explain to clients that they are a fiduciary. Uh, and for a while, we even saw some of the big uh, companies within the, the industry trying to morph into a fiduciary standard. But at the end of the day, most people don't really even know what the word means. They uh, don't necessarily care and they don't understand what all the the deal is about. And so like the CFP, the Certified Financial Planner credential, it is not a conclusive indicator, but it is an indicator as you're picking a financial advisor. Are they a CFP? Are they a fiduciary? Are they a independent. These are all elements of what makes a good financial planner. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the the fiduciary standard, what it is, a little bit of the history of of what's going on here, and and maybe uh, shed some light on it for our listeners. Yeah, I think the other thing here, too, is just the pronunciation of the word has been something that has not been grasped by many across the country. As I've heard it as uh, fiduciary and the uh, fiduciary rather than the fiduciary. And my favorite from uh, someone down in the uh, in the Florida area, a fiduciary was was my favorite pronunciation. <laughs> Actually, that is the correct one. I like that one the best. I'm a fiduciary. fiduciary. <laughs> so yeah, hey, be careful, Walter. We might have some of those around here. That's all right. No, no, no. Well. We're, it's it's all poking fun in, in good nature. So, but yeah, so it's it's it is this confusing uh, you know confusing term because it's a new term first of all, and it is kind of a fancy word, right? It's just not one that's in our everyday vocabulary. So um, let's get to know who a fiduciary is and how this all started. The history of a fiduciary, and I'm going to do it as quickly as I can. After the Great Depression, the U.S. government, uh, the Congress passed a law and the Investment Advisors Act. And it said that if you are working with clients as a registered investment advisor, then you have to be a fiduciary. You have to put their interests first. And this is something that's you know settled for the most part, settled law. If you're a uh, a trustee, you're a fiduciary. If you're a lawyer, you're a fiduciary. A CPA is a fiduciary. You have to put your interests first. Even doctors have to act in the best interest of of their clients. Well, pension plans. Yeah, pension plans, anything to do with retirement, and that came along with uh, with with ERISA in 1974. Mm-hmm. So you you had these uh, folks out there who were working with clients and providing investment information, and larger firms said, you know what, we actually, and even smaller firms said, you know what, we just have salespeople. They don't actually really know what they're doing. They're just selling products from, you know, we're, we're selling an insurance product, et cetera. So that's all we're doing. So can we get exempted out of it? And for the most part, they got exempted out of it. 
And then it, it grew and it grew. So now even large brokerage firms out there, they are not registered investment advisors. I mean, what they are is they are broker dealers. So I don't mean to get too much into the weeds, but when you look at it, a firm like Main Street Financial Solutions, we are registered investment advisors and we are fiduciaries. That's what we are absolutely at all times. So you have Congress coming about in 2008 and 2009 saying, look, we should actually try and pass something that makes everyone a fiduciary. Well, our industry doesn't like change. So the larger firms out there said, you know what, we're not we're not crazy about doing that. And with good reason, because they were worried about unnecessary lawsuits, etc. And so they said, you know what, let's sort of not not go that route. Well, the Obama administration through the Labor Department made an executive order and said that we are going to take all retirement accounts. So IRAs, remember pension plans and any type of employer 401k, et cetera, was already covered by the fiduciary rule. However, IRAs were not. So the Labor Department said, you know what? We're going to go ahead and put this order out there that we are going to be fiduciaries. And the firms were not happy about it, but this was going to go into place, essentially in 2019. Well, that meant that any type of retirement money, your advisor would have to do what's in your best interest. However, if they had taxable money, like money in a, in a regular account that wasn't retirement, they just had to do what was suitable. It just has to be, well, that's that wasn't to harm you. It wasn't in your best interest, but it wasn't the worst thing either. Well, we go ahead here and the Obama administration does an executive order. The new administration that came in decided not to honor that. And they essentially let it die, which means that we're back to the old system that we were in, is that you're, if you're a registered investment advisor like we are, we have to be a fiduciary. If you're a broker-dealer like large firms out there, they don't have to be a fiduciary. Now, let me be clear. A lot of people say to me, well, then you have to be a registered investor. They're always fiduciaries and they're always good people. Let me be clear that a gentleman by the name of Bernie Madoff was a registered investment advisor. So you cannot, and that person obviously we know was a huge crook and ran an, an elaborate and billion, multi-billion dollar Ponzi scheme. So just because somebody is a registered investment advisor, yes, they're supposed to act as a fiduciary. We would hope that they would act in the best interests of the clients at all times. But that is why it's really important working with somebody that is trustworthy, that you know, who has roots in the community, and that is planning on being here for a long, long time. So that is one of the, the criteria that I would throw in there. Work with a registered investment advisor and then get to know that registered investment advisor, You know who their friends are, their family, et cetera. And I think that's something that, that's really important. So now... We are still talking about this. The firms are saying, well, we're willing to do a fiduciary standard. And the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission, recently came out with something called the best interest rule. And he said, well, isn't that a fiduciary? I mean, fiduciary is being putting in the best interest of the client, you know, ahead of your own. And this best interest rule, this actually cures it. It doesn't. And the reason why it doesn't is in no place in the thousand pages that the SEC came up with, do they ever define what the best interest 
rule is. They never say what is best interest. Whereas we know as a fiduciary, and Brian and everyone at our firm is a fiduciary, we know what the fiduciary means because it has been tested in courts of law all across the country for people who didn't do the right thing. And it has been made sure that people know as a fiduciary that they are required to put your interests first. So I just wanted to give a general overview of the history of the fiduciary standard and how it's still evolving. I do think that if a different uh, political party gets into the presidency, they might bring back that executive order. We will see if that happens. So Brian, is there anything you would like to add to that? Yeah, I can. maybe I could shed a little bit of light on this by contrasting the fiduciary standard with the suitability standard. And, and that is the uh, standard that the product sales or brokerage or insurance side of the industry is predominantly held to. And if I have two competing products, let's say I'm, I'm looking at uh, your portfolio, Walter, and I want to recommend a investment in a real estate investment trust. And there are two or three that I can choose from. Well, all of them may be suitable for you, but there's one that pays a 5% commission and there's one that pays me a 2% commission. Now that commission is going to come at the cost of your return. It, it doesn't just magically you know, appear because it has a higher commission. It doesn't mag- magically appear from someone else's pocketbook. It's, it's going to come out of the return of your investment. Well, a suitable recommendation would be it would be, per- be perfectly fine to recommend the one that paid the higher commission. But as a fiduciary standard, assuming the other elements of the investment were fundamentally the same, it would be an obligation to pick the lower cost product. Now, obviously, we're not selling commission products, but you, you could look at the fee structure of the investment. And obviously, you want to pick the one that is in the client's best interest. And I'll even throw in uh, something um, regarding, you know, mutual funds, or you'd say, well, there's a fund family out there that their fees are a little bit higher. And there's a wholesaler. Wholesaler is the person who markets those products. He takes me to University of Georgia football games. Does University of Georgia have a football team, Brian? They've got a good one as far as last time I heard. Yes. Okay. So he takes, he or she takes you to, and they, that you go out to fancy dinners and it's great. So you may think, well, it's suitable. Now, maybe their fund is more expensive. It may not be the right thing in their, in their best interest. However, it is suitable. So I'm going to go ahead and, and, and have them invest in that mutual fund. And really, as a fiduciary, you can't do that. You have to choose what is in the best interest of the client. So you wouldn't be able to do that. And and as a, a client, you may not even know that these things are going on behind the scenes. People just don't even realize it. But these are things that happen in everyday decisions that I think need to be understood by clients. Well, and, and we see that on our side. We, we use Charles Schwab as an independent custodian. These are all your elements beginning to pile up. Are you a CFP? Are you a fiduciary? Do you have an independent uh, third-party custodian? We've, we've talked about these things in the past. But if I'm going to invest in a mutual fund, there is a share class of many funds that is an institutional share class, which has all of the revenue sharing and excess fees stripped out of and as a fiduciary, I'm going to gravitate to that 
more favorable share class. And th- these these are just the decisions we make day in and day out and uh, solutions that we provide for our clients that they're often not aware of. And that's why I think it's good to do a lap around this and, and make people aware because, like you said, fiduciary is a funny word. It's a legal ease sounding uh, type of, of name. But at the end of the day, this really plays out in a way that is going to impact your performance, your end result, your cost. And uh, we're, we're very transparent about that at the independent side of the, of, of the equation. A lot of people will come in and say, oh, I've, you know, I'm in my 401k. There's, there's no cost to that. The employer's paying for that. And when you break it down and you show them the different share classes that are within a retirement plan, not only the limited choices, but that those choices are actually more expensive than what I can have access to, these things begin to have a cumulative effect. Then you turn it to the tax equation and the asset allocation, the asset location. All of these things that we're talking about do have a cumulative effect. And if your advisor is not thinking and, and aiming to have your best interest first, these costs can compound dramatically. I think it's important also that if, you know, to be able to put it in writing, to say that you are a fiduciary, I think that matters. And when people say to me, well, yeah, that doesn't really matter. Well, wouldn't you rather have somebody put that in writing for you? Because I think that that that, that is important. It doesn't mean that that other financial advisors at different firms are doing the wrong things. It, it actually is not saying that. And I used uh, you know an example of Bernie Madoff, who was a fiduciary, who was ripping people off. I just think it's one of the components that you want to utilize in terms of trying to find out you know what type of person you want to work with. And making sure that your interests are in with the advisor's interest, that it's all together and you're saying, look, this advisor is going to work to make sure that they are going to focus on my short, mid, and long-term goals and accomplishing those. And that is going to be what's most important. They can charge a fee for that, but I want to make sure that it's a reasonable fee and I want to make sure that any advice they give me is in my best interest or my family's best interest. I've always liked the, uh, I, I heard the analogy of the, the babysitter. You hire a babysitter to take care of your kids and, you know, part of the duties in addition to entertaining them and making sure they don't get injured and, you know, have fun playing around the house is to also feed them. And it would be totally suitable for her to take them to McDonald's and, you know, get hamburgers and fries. It would be inexpensive in a way to take that route and, you know, have that food and uh, they would be nourished. They would be fine. They'd be able they'd get calories. They'd get fuel. Right. They'd be able to continue their day. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. that's really the suitable option for them. It's not the fiduciary way of going. The fiduciary approach would have been to have some apple slices and celery sticks to dip in some, you know, almond butter or something like that or or peanut butter or whatever it may be. And, you know, actually have a healthy lunch that's going to be good for them in the long term, in addition to filling that short term, hey, I'm the babysitter for today. Well, what if I'm going to be the babysitter tomorrow and the next day and the next day I need to give these kids a good foundation of healthy eating. And so you take a totally different approach than the quick bandaid of, hey, you need some food for today. Here, let's go to the McDonald's and and get you some greasy hamburgers. You'll be fine today. No big deal. Very different on the long term outcomes of those. Uh, So it's a yeah, excellent analogy. Although, Walter, 
you could take him to Chick-fil-A. I'm just being honest <laughs> with you. I mean, that's the equivalent of uh, of apple slices and almond butter. Is is it not the waffle fries? I'm just saying, I love Chick-fil-A. So anyway. It would be more fiduciary than than probably a McDonald's, maybe. <laughs> yes. There's a spectrum there. There's a spectrum. Yeah, there is a spectrum. 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 There, there is a spectrum. <laughs> that's right. No, that's but, right. but anyway, so no, I think that's wonderful. Yeah. So how do you find a fiduciary. I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, work with a fiduciary, but just like anybody can call themselves a financial advisor, it seems these days, can anybody call themselves a fiduciary? Is it hard to locate one? I mean, is it kind of like reading between the lines to find somebody who meets this standard? And, and I think that's what you do is you, you go to the firm and you ask, are you a fiduciary? If you choose a registered investment advisor, you're, you're getting a fiduciary. Uh, you don't have any ambiguity about it. And if you ask them to put it in writing, a broker dealer uh, is not going to be able to sign on the bottom line to say, oh, yes, we are actually able to act as a fiduciary in your best interest. And this is evolving. It's been kicked around and uh, different legislative pushes have been introduced. They've come, they've gone. Uh, we, we don't know where they're necessarily going to be. But what, what I would say about it is, again, this is not a cure-all. This is not the definitive factor for choosing a financial advisor. And what we're going to do is put in the, the, the show notes a link to a handout with a series of questions and a, or maybe a checklist of things that you should look for. And as you're interviewing firms and financial advisors, we want to give you a tool that you can use to make sure you're doing the due diligence that you need to do, that you can find out these legal and technical aspects of, of the firm that you're dealing with. Do they match with your interest and what you're looking for? But then ultimately, do you like the person? Do you trust them? Is there a good rapport? Is there a good personality fit? Does Can they explain their approach in a way that uh, makes sense to you? All of these things go into picking a financial advisor. So independent third-party custodians, fiduciary credentials, and then what, what's their philosophy and approach. We'll have a handout in the show notes for to help guide you through that. Yeah, one of the things that we always suggest is talking to a couple different people. You know, I, I liken it to usually you don't marry the first person you date. Sometimes that happens, uh, but usually you don't. So it's not the worst thing for you to, you know, if you've never worked with an advisor to talk to a couple different people. If you have worked with an advisor and you're interested in, in you know, going to someone else, you know, talk to them and find out what they're going to do differently and, and tell them what your needs are. I think that's what's most important is a good certified financial planner will be willing to say, I don't know that we're a good fit. I don't know that I'm going to be able to satisfy what your expectations are. So that's why I think it's important as you know a prospective client that you ask a lot of questions. And if you're uncomfortable with any of the answers, you know, ask them again to make sure that you totally understand. That's important. Very important and very helpful to have this conversation today and find out what really is the F word, that fiduciary, as we uh, <laughs> showed yes. about earlier on the show today. Mm. If you want to get that handout and uh, that download, questions you should ask before you hire a financial advisor, very useful resource. Again, just check the description of today's show and you'll see it right there. Uh, again, just go to the show notes or the description of the episode, depending on what app you're listening to the show on, and you should see the link to download that 
guide. Uh, you can do that. And you can also go to makethedoughrise.com to access the podcast and to schedule a 15-minute call with Brian to talk some of this out a little bit more if you want to talk to him about what a financial advisor who is a fiduciary really looks like and uh, how Brian incorporates some of these different principles that we've talked about into his practice and how it will help you better prepare for your financial future, you can schedule that time to meet to talk about your own financial plan. Again, at makethedoughrise.com. That's makethedoughrise.com. Well, Brian and Brett, great chatting with both of you again on today's show. Thanks for filling us in on some of the important information we should know about fiduciaries. Interesting to learn the history behind this as well. Did not realize that the fiduciary standard in this conversation dated back as far as it did. That was eye-opening, Brett, to share that with us. I didn't know we were going way way back to the beginning of the of the century. Brett's a great historian and a, and a student of it, so he's a, he's a great resource. It was very, very cool. So thank you both for your help on today's show, and we'll look forward to talking again soon. Uh, for Brian and Brett, I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you again next time on Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.